Welcome to the Playing Injured Podcast, where we have conversations to help people turn their adversity into their advantage. to another episode of Playing Injured. I'm sitting here with uh, Colin Jouet, uh, author, Superman Academy coach. Uh, and then he's also the host of the Playing, uh, not Playing Injured, that's me, host of the Superhuman Playbook Podcast. Colin, I appreciate you coming on, man. What's up, Josh? Happy to be here. I love it. I love it. So uh, I always love getting started with telling the folks who you are today and how you spend your time these days. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll give a little little tidbit. So uh, my wife and I, we live out in Fort Collins, Colorado. Beautiful place right on the front range. And uh, I get to spend my days helping people figure out how their brain works and how to make the most of it. So uh, I'm, I'm the director of coaching at Superhuman Academy. And that's what we do. So we teach people to, to learn faster, remember more, and uh, also, just focus better. That's a big part of what we do. Be unle- unleash their creativity, all that good stuff. So, a lot of times, I spend I spend my days working with people who feel feel stuck either in their career or sometimes I do work with students as well who are trying to pass some sort of difficult exam. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I love it. I love it. So, I, I wish I would have had you in college, man. You would have made my life. <laughs> So I wish I would have had me in college too. <laughs> I struggled. But great. So talk about this superhuman academy. Most people are like, what is superhuman? You know, uh, I, I just went to go see Eternals, the, the new Marvel movie last week. Right. <laughs> so you're not turning people into Eternals or anything like that. More so what is human academy? What, what does that phrase mean being a superhuman and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So uh, Superhuman Academy, we have another term that we use a lot. It's called super learner. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one of our other trademarks. You'll hear hear me talk about super learners a lot, but uh, I would say superhuman encompasses a little bit more than that. So a super learner, I would describe as somebody who, who understands how their brain works and knows how to use it effectively, knows how to learn really well. I would consider superhuman to be somebody who actually takes the action <laughs> on right. that, who employs it. Um, it's kind of the next level. And uh, yeah, if you look us up online, you might find a, uh, a parkour gym called Superhuman Academy. That is not us. <laughs> We're the other ones. So we have a lot of online courses and coaching and we've had almost 400,000 students in the past wow. six or seven years. So yeah, worked That's with it. lots of people. It's been pretty cool. That's amazing. So Talk about, I, I would love to learn a little bit more, a uh, super learner. What does that mm-hmm. all encompass, right? Uh, being a super learner and how is that different from just being a, a regular learner? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, why aren't we just called the regular learners? <laughs> <laughs> the regular yeah, learners. So what we really help people do. So let, let me start here. Uh, the school system, I don't want to bag on it too much on this podcast, but um, Go ahead, do it. Bag, bag <laughs> on it, man. Show your true feelings about the school system. We know. Oh, I've got, I've got strong feelings, but um, 
Yeah, a lot of the things that we learn in school, it's kind of they they teach you what to learn. It's like, hey, put this information in your head yeah. so you can pass this test. And and there's there's a good reason why we forget most of what we learn in school because it's not super uh, relevant to us. A lot of times, people don't actually care. Um, but anyway, we're we're taught how, like what to think, but we're not taught how to think. And the brain, the human brain is the most complex thing we know of in the, in the universe. And it doesn't right. come with an owner's manual. And so the idea that we can just kind of like guess and check, figure it out. Um, and we don't need any help with that. I think, you know, that's, that's a challenging idea. You know, you've got the most complex thing in the universe inside your head and you're just kind of supposed to <laughs> good luck, you know, and, and, and most people aren't really ever told or, 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 most people don't really learn like how their brain works and how to yeah. take advantage of it because I mean, there's a lot of downsides to how it works. And if you don't understand you know, how to manage it, you know, some people are walking around constantly and they've got these thoughts pouring through their head all the time. And they can't stop them. Like that's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. something that, you know, I'd say the people in the regular learner camp don't know how to turn off. 100%. Um, and as well, like not being able to focus when you want to and just kind of being at the whims of, your circumstances and whatever's happening and not knowing how to use your memory. It's really common. Most people don't know how to use their memory at all. Uh, it's, it's a mystery to them. They forget things all the time. They tell people I'm just a forgetful person. I can't remember yeah. names and faces. And, and so what we're doing at superhuman Academy and what I help people to do is change all of that. Uh, so understand how your memory works, how to use it, um, how to focus when you want to, how to be creative when you want to, how to turn off the endless chatter in your head yeah. Um, because those things can be done, but most people just don't know how. 100%, 100%. What, you just made me think about something when you said we have like one of the most powerful things on, a, on the universe within yeah. our own heads, right? And so I remember seeing a quote that says, you know, our mind and our brain is a beautiful servant, but it's a dangerous master, right? <laughs> so it, it has these, it has two edges of the, of the stick, right? And so, um, before we get into your story, because I want to learn a little bit more about how you got into this space, how can somebody partner with their brain um, and, and become uh, uh, let their brain be a servant as opposed to working against their brain and, and allowing it to be a master of, the, of their brain? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I like to use that terminology that you just used. So fighting with your brain versus partnering with your brain. I think most people yeah. spend their time fighting with their brain. If they get things done, it's kind of despite all the stuff that's going on up there. Um, so what I try to help people do is partner with it. So what that, what that really looks like and, and some steps that you can take, there's so many different places to go with this, but I want to deliver something that's practical to your listeners. So I love it. Uh, one thing to think about is you know, what it, what is thinking? Mm. It's, it's, it's kind of a profound question. <laughs> Uh, what, what is thinking really? Uh, it's, I would argue, and maybe I'll, I'll nuance that a little bit. I'll say like, what is critical thinking? Cause we hear that phrase tossed around, but I don't know when I was in school, I never heard anybody define it for me. Right. It was like, are you good at critical thinking? I don't know. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I'm thinking, I've been thinking for a long, thinking of this math problem and I can't figure I've, it out. I've got a lot of thoughts going through my head, but is that the same <laughs> thing as critical thinking? And I would argue that's not so critical thinking is thinking about thinking. So critical thinking is being able to step back and be an observer to the thoughts in your mind and being able to decide their merits, being able to evaluate them. That's what critical thinking is. 
So a lot of people, they experience their thought life. It's like, it's all completely in first person Mm. and they don't step back. They don't take that third person view and they can't actually evaluate their thoughts because they're too in them. You know, it's like, if it's right in front of your face, you can't see it. (laughs) 100%. And so one thing, one thing you can think about is disassociating from the the monologue or the dialogue that's going on in your head. When you hear those thoughts, instead of thinking that's me talking, that's my voice, try to step back and see it as a third person Mm. from a third person perspective, and then try to evaluate the thoughts from that perspective. Are these thoughts serving me? Are are these thoughts that I want to be having right now or listening to or not? That's what critical thinking is being able to step back and actually evaluate those. And a lot of people don't even realize that they can do that. One hundred percent. But that, that makes crazy. the difference between whether you're, whether you're the slave to your brain or whether it's serving you and you're partnering with it. Wow! So actually taking a step back and actually understanding the thoughts that are going through your mind, not necessarily just saying, "Hey, this is me thinking." Say, "Hey, yeah. this is just some thoughts." The thoughts are not me thinking. It's third person. I love that you get the yeah. opportunity to kind of detach the thoughts from yourself. Um, and actually observe it as a, as opposed to actually experiencing it. I love it. I love yeah. it. So how did Colin even get into this space? A young Colin, right? Talk about your story. I know you're from India. I'm here in Chicago. So three hours okay. from Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, talk about, talk about kind of your, your origin story, Colin, as a, as a student and then, then kind of how you became who you are today. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've told, I've told this story many times in different podcasts. <laughs> um, so I, I'm hoping I'll, I'll try to keep it brief because if people want to hear more, they can always find it somewhere else. But um, long story short, in grade school, I kind of got through with no problems. It was very easy for me. I was one of those kids that didn't have to study and just kind of aced everything and it was easy. Okay. So that was my experience in grade school coming to college. That's the exact opposite experience. I was failing exams. I was studying like crazy and I wasn't getting anywhere. So the reason I like to share those two aspects of my backstory is because I think it, it it shines light on something that's really important to recognize about the way that our brains work, which is that Mm -hmm. genius, this idea of genius is context dependent. Yeah. What that means is that you can be and if you're in one situation, you might be very well prepared and, and kind of what I would call like the default settings of your brain are perfect for that situation. And in that situation, you will seem like a genius. Now we move you into a new situation where the default settings of your brain are not really aligned with your context and they yeah. don't allow you to perform well there. Well, now you seem like you're not very smart, but nothing's changed, right? You haven't changed. The context 100%. has changed. 100 and I think this is kind of a you know tragedy in our in our culture with with people not understanding their brains is that a lot of people this kind of goes back to the Albert Einstein quote like if you expect a fish to climb a tree it'll spend its whole life thinking it's stupid yeah it goes you know it's really true we have a lot of people who spend their whole lives thinking they're stupid and it's just because they don't understand how to align their brain with the context that they're in and if they were in a different context they would seem really smart. So, 100%. so that was my experience. I, I went from one context to a new context and all of a sudden I was no longer prepared. And that's where that knowledge of, okay, well, how do I actually change the default settings mm. in my brain? That's mm-hmm. when that becomes important because they're yeah. no longer serving you. And so 
so that was my story of I got to college and I was no longer aligned with my environment. I started failing everything and that caused me to seek out like, okay, what's really going on? Because I feel like I thought I was smart mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I'm capable. So something must, I must be stuck in some sort, like my brain must be stuck in something in some sort of settings or whatever that just aren't working for me right now. Is there any way to change those? And I started to look for that. And thankfully I found out you can, Mm -hmm. that is something you can do. You have the power to change the way that you think um, to match your context better. And, and so once I found that, uh, I found that through superhuman Academy, uh, Jonathan Levy, I I learned from him. And uh, then I started, I, I went from, almost failing out to being on the Dean's list. I went from begging for, for internships to getting a senior level position straight out of college an engineering position straight out of college. I wrote two books and, uh, I, I hosted that podcast you heard about. I, and, uh, now I'm the director of that, of superhuman, the coaching program, at least at superhuman Academy, which is the, uh, the institution that helped me, <laughs> helped me originally to, to to change the way that my brain works or how I think about it. So that's, that's my backstory. That's how I got to where I am. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Like a, like a real superhuman. I'm just kidding. But so you said, uh, I've, I've kind of listened to, to you chat a little bit and you said you didn't really know how to use your brain. Right. And I think most people don't know how to use their brain. I'm not even sure if I know how to use my brain. Right now. <laughs> well, now you got me questioned. Now you have yeah. me questioned. Okay. What, what do you mean by, I, I didn't know how to use my brain. Um, yeah. And, and kind of, I, I know you kind of chatted about, Hey, getting back to that default setting. But when, when you say not knowing how to use your brain to learn how to use your brain, it sounds like that transition that you went through. What do you mean by that? And, and how does somebody, kind of, I guess, the beginning steps of learning how to actually use their brain. Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is one thing where it's also important to recognize that everyone, there are some things that are, are mostly universal for people mm-hmm. about how humans learn, generally speaking, and how humans think and how your brain works generally. So there are some things that are, are pretty much true across humanity. And then there are some things that are very specific to you. Mm. So that distinction is really important to make, make to and understand. So understanding how the brain works generally is really helpful. Like understanding, for example, um, the way the hippocampus transfers memories from short-term to long-term memory, there's actually kind of like this invisible decision matrix that goes on there to decide, am I going to remember this or not? Okay. And understanding what those criteria are. So some of those criteria include is it related to the knowledge that you already have? If it's completely unfamiliar and there's no connection to this new knowledge you're trying to gain and the knowledge that you already have, that's one of the, the boxes that needs to be checked. If it's not checked, it's less likely to be retained. Another one is, is it experiential? Like the more uh, sensory connections to that new information there are, the more likely your hippocampus is going to say, yep, this is something we want to remember and it's going to store it in long term. And there are several other, other criteria. Maybe we'll talk about them if, if you think it's worthwhile, but it's under, those are kind of like some of the universal things about how human brains work. And if you don't understand that, which most people don't, like when you try to learn something new, you won't be taking advantage of those things. And so you might be trying to consume information in a way that's totally not 
practical or useful for the way that your brain actually decides what's worth keeping, what's not worth keeping. So if you're not aware of those universal criteria, then you could think you've got a terrible memory when actually what's happening is you just don't know how to format information in such a way that your memory wants to hold on to it or your brain thinks it's important and recognizes that you, you should, you should keep it. Right. So, so those are some like the universal, like understanding how the brain works. And there's also understanding how your brain works, like what makes your brain unique and different and how can you uh, take advantage of that? So for example, uh, well, I can put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, put me on the spot. <laughs> since we're the ones talking here, I'll put you on the spot. Um, so for you, I know you're a high performing guy, but do you find that you're able to focus on command whenever you want? Or are there some times where you really want to focus and you can't do it? I would say um, a little bit of both, but I would go lean towards the side of not being able to focus on command. Okay. Being able to focus. Right. Okay. So that's, so that's one thing that's like, if, if you had a, a perfect understanding of how your specific brain works and you would be able to focus as much as it's possible for you to focus. And right now you're probably not at that point. So I know you're, you're a high performer. So you're probably like maybe above a lot of people in that regard. Um, but that's, that's an area where you, there's opportunity for you to have a better understanding that would enable you to focus on command or when you want to, or at least recognize, actually, I'm not going to be able to focus right now. It's not going to be like realistically possible because of X, Y, Z, but actually being able to define what X, Y, and Z are. Right. right? I'll tell so, you one thing. I'll tell you one thing yeah. while I can't focus, right? It's my <laughs> phone, my phone, right? That is it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good insight. <laughs> hey, I, I'll, put, I'll put my hand up and raise my hand. Hey, why can't I focus as highly as I can, right? Why can't I focus to the extreme level that I can, right? And I, and I would say it's my phone. It's this information overload. It's constantly going, right? And um, I, I was listening to a, uh, another podcast and they mentioned how focus is a huge advantage in today's world because everybody's mm-hmm. so distracted by this information overload, right? Yeah. And um, would love to to, to kind of learn from you since you, you you just brought it up and it made, made me think about it. How can somebody kind of escape that that information overload without like kind of disconnecting themselves from the world? Because obviously in, in our in today's world we, we like to be connected with our friends, family, and, and different things like that. Um, you know, business as well, but um, it can be a distraction as well. It's almost like the mind, a beautiful servant. <laughs> a dangerous master, right? So um, how can somebody do that to kind of escape that, that information overload, but stay connected? Yeah. So I'll go, I'll go two directions with that. Um, One of them will be the attention management side of things. And the other one will be the intention management side of things. So Mm. intention management, that's, that's kind of the, the having clarity around what's really important to you and what you really care about. And so you mentioned like that issue of, of being disconnected. Like I want to be connected. I want to be aware of what's going on around me, but I also want to be able to focus. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot, a lot of people just see that and they see that as being kind of a dichotomy. You kind of get to, you you pick one or the other, but you don't get both. Mm -hmm. And I would challenge that. I, I I think you can definitely have both. Uh, (laughs) I think most humans throughout human history have managed to have both a lot better than we do these days in terms of being connected with, with the people that they care about. So uh, the first thing is, is looking at uh, what you're doing to be connected to other people and asking whether, whether those actions that you're taking, this is the critical thinking, 
whether those actions that you are taking to be hypothetically connected to other people are actually helping you be connected to other people or not. <laughs> mm. So being on Facebook for three hours a day and scrolling through news feeds, is that actually helping you connect to other people? Yeah. Right. Or not like <laughs> for most people, it's not actually helping yeah. them connect to other people. Like you'd get a lot farther having a 30 minute in-depth phone call with a good friend of yours. than you would be scrolling through Facebook for nine hours. 100%. So thinking about what, what are your actual priorities for connection and is scrolling through social media somewhat mindlessly actually serving that purpose or is it a serving a different purpose, which is just getting like that um, instant gratification, dopamine, filling a void for yourself. And, and kind yeah. of it, like you said, yeah, you get bored, you know, you get bored and you just want to fill it with some, some type mm -hmm. of satisfaction for sure. I love yeah. That. And another thing to think about is so For most most people, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Cal Newport. He talks about this. Yep. But several people out there talk about this. Like most people are not highly productive at the kind of like work tasks that we think of as being like productivity or, or work. Most people are not that productive at those things beyond four hours a day. That's the max for most people. Mm -hmm. And so when you have people who are allegedly working for eight hours a day, if you actually, and I've done this with everyone from like people who are, are working entry-level jobs to executives, analyze their day and when they're actually getting value and they're actually being productive. And it holds true across, across the board. Most people are not exceeding four hours of actual productive work. That's like the max for most. So if you think about it that way, it's like, what are we doing with that other time? <laughs> mm. What do we, do we actually need to be able to focus for eight hours straight or not? Uh, and right. most people don't need to be like hyper-focused in flow state for eight hours a day. Like it's just not necessary. <laughs> right. Um, so that's another reason why I don't think you have to choose between being connected to the world or focusing. Like if you just use the, the focus time effectively, then you don't just need to sit around scrolling on your phone for like the other four hours. Like you can go do other things. <laughs> you can, you can have meaningful connections with that other time, but um, yeah. So that's, that's the intention management side. I could talk about that for a really long time, but I think something that will be really new to your audience that I can present that I don't really hear other people talking about is uh, the brain states. Uh, this is something that you mentioned being interested in talking about. So I want to bring you beat me up. to the punch. I love yeah. <laughs> And it totally ties into this whole attention management thing. So uh, most people are not aware of the fact that there are, there are different brain states. In other words, what I mean by this is uh, when there's a certain part or certain area of the brain that is more active than the other parts or areas of the brain. Mm. And that actually changes the way that you experience the world and how you think. But most people, they switch between these brain states and not, they're not even aware of it. They're not consciously aware of it. They definitely can't do it on command. Um, but being aware of it and being able to switch brain states consciously is an unbelievable advantage. Mm. It will change everything for you. Like this, this totally changed my life. I, I organize my, my daily schedule according to this. So uh, let me dig into it. So there's, there's three main brain states that I think everyone should know about. All right. So those three are the, dif the diffuse state, the focused state and the flow state. Yep. 
a lot of people have heard of the flow state, lots of like productivity gurus out there. will talk yeah. about the flow state. It's very cool. It's very useful, but it's only one of three, at least three of these ones. That I think everyone should know. And it has a very specific purpose and it's not good for everything. <laughs> so everyone's always like, Oh, I just want to be in the flow state all the time. It's like, no, you don't. That's actually not ideal. <laughs> it's good for some things. All right. So let me define what each of these are, and then we can talk about when they're useful and how you can actually uh, intentionally decide which one to be in and how to trigger them and why you might choose to do that. Do you think that's a good good path to go down? Oh, 100%. I'm, you get right. me free. <laughs> All right. And, and for your audience, I'll even... Um, I'll even, I've got a, a video series that I recorded specifically on this. I'll go ahead and just give you the link and you can give it to your audience. So they can dig into this more if they want to oh, wow. uh, after listening uh, to this, this episode, but we'll start with the, um, the focus state because believe it or not, that's probably the one that you spend the most time in. You might be thinking I'm not focused that much, but <laughs> it's like, no, actually the, the focus state is it's, it's defined by more activity in the front of the brain. Mm. And this is, so this is where a lot of the executive function is happening. Um, a lot of what you would probably consider to be thinking that's like front of brain activity, the, the internal voice um, that's where that's happening or, or, or that that's where a lot of that's happening. And so in the focus state, that's where you're thinking with, with that internal voice, um, the internal critic is is alive and well in that space and so if you have that that negative voice that's telling you all oh, this isn't going to work this isn't going to work that's usually focus state thinking uh, ways that you can you can kind of identify this in yourself or in other people it's very problem or or um what's another word for that uh like challenge oriented state which is really good for a lot of things so for example let's say you're in a brainstorming session Somebody who's in the focus state is going to be the first person to always point out what's not going to work well. So someone will spit out an idea and they're like, oh, that's not going to work because of X, Y, Z. They can identify obstacles really easily in the focus state. And that, that's something that's really good for. And it's really important to, to have that ability to recognize flaws or things that could go wrong or worst case scenarios. It's a valuable function, but you also don't want to be there all the time. <laughs> you don't, you don't, but it is valuable. It has some value. And it is valuable. Yeah. yeah, it is valuable. It's also good for, um, for implementing or acting on kind of established patterns of thinking. Mm. So if there's something that you know how to do, uh, or you've done something before, you found a, a, a solution or a, a method that works, Focus state thinking is always going to encourage you to use those methods. Okay. It's not going to be thinking outside the box. It's very inside the box thinking, which sometimes is really valuable. Uh, if something works, great, like go for it. However, like I said, what about if you want to be creative and you want to think outside the box? So this is why a lot of people say they're not creative or they don't think they're creative. It's actually just because they're spending the majority of their time in the focus state. It's not because they don't have access to creativity or they can't think creatively. It's just because they haven't mm. tapped into that state and they don't know how to. Another reason why this is the case is because typically when you're under stress, your brain will naturally gravitate towards the focus state. So it's like, no wonder that people are in that state all the time. If you're stressed, that's where you're naturally going to gravitate to. And so that's where people find themselves for the majority of their life. It's just sitting in the focus state all the time. <laughs> 
Uh, and that's why they think they're not creative when you're under stress. So a way that I think about this from like an evolutionary biology perspective is like, if you think that there's a tiger in the bush and it's, it's hunting you, that is not the time to be creative. That's the time yeah. to run in the direction, you know, is going to take you to safety. So your brain is going to be like, Nope, we're not painting pictures right now. <laughs> We're not thinking of new solutions. We're going to know, we're going to do what we know works and what works well. Right. 100%. And that's 100%. the, that's, that's where people are at in their work life, their personal life. Their brain is like, Nope, there's tigers. There's threats. We're under stress. Do what works. Don't think creatively. Mm. And your brain really doesn't know the difference between a, a tiger and you um, just getting fired from your job or you're not, you know, performing well, or you're in danger of losing your job or whatever the case may be. Your yeah, brain can't yeah, really exactly. tell the difference, right? Okay. Now that is a, a really good observation. Yeah. Your subconscious has trouble discerning between physical reality and the more like virtual reality that exists within your mind. <laughs> yeah. So it's crazy. You're under stress from your work. There might as well be a tiger trying to eat your face. <laughs> like your brain experiences it in a similar way. Um, okay. So let's talk about the diffuse state. Cause this is one that I think very few people know even exists or talks about, and it's actually super, super valuable for, for learning and creative thinking. Um, so an example I like to give that I think people can connect with and like, Oh, like recognize that as the diffuse state you probably have heard people say, or maybe you've said this, like, I have my best ideas in the shower, or um, I came up with my most creative ideas when I'm on a walk or just thinking <laughs> about nothing or, or daydreaming, or sometimes really early in the morning, the first thing I, when I wake up, I have like these amazing ideas. Okay. There's a reason for that. That's the diffuse state. And the diffuse state is characterized by, um, activity throughout the whole brain. Now there's always activity throughout your whole brain, but this is one where uh, there's no specific part of the brain that's super dominant. So it's not like you can say, Oh, the front part of your brain is the most active or the back part of your brain is the most active. It's kind of just all over the place. That's the diffuse state. It's called the diffuse state because it's like diffuse activity. It's just kind of all over the place, kind of random. And that's where your brain can make these creative connections. Because these different parts of your brains are being activated in new ways, different ways, new paths are being formed or explored. And that just has the opportunity to just kind of bounce ideas around in crazy ways. A lot of times you'll come up with a lot of ideas that are completely useless in the diffuse state. They're not practical. They're not, they're not <laughs> realistic, but they're interesting and, and they're well, different than what you think of in a focus state, right? <laughs> So that's what's going on. So that's the diffuse state. And like I said, if you're under stress, you're not going to spend much time there. You're going to be in the focus state most of the time, which is why people think they're not creative. So what the diffuse state is really good for is that creative out of the box thinking. And it's really good for, um, it's very solution oriented. It's, it's, and it's uncritical as well. So that, that, that inner critic is not, is not talking when you're in the diffuse state, or at least he's, He's kind of in the, in the closet and you're not, <laughs> you're not listening to him anyway. Um, so in the diffuse state, that's, that's really good for figuring out new and novel solutions to, to problems. And maybe 99 of, of the solutions that you think of are completely unrealistic, but maybe one of them is absolutely transformative and something that no one's ever thought of before. And it's way more elegant than anything you'd think of in the focus state, which is why the state is so valuable. 
It's also really useful for learning because like I said, one of the criteria for your brain to decide, um, do I retain this information or do I just throw it out and forget it is whether there's a, a connection between the new information and information you already know. Well, the truth is there's always a connection or there's always a potential connection between anything and anything else. But if you're in the focus state, you won't see it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. The diffuse state, however, it can find connections between anything. <laughs> That's crazy. Like all these different ideas that seem completely disparate and completely different. When you're in the diffuse state, your brain is able to just find, oh, there's a connection. There's a connection. There's a connection. And so all of a sudden your, your memory is like, oh, okay. I see connections between this, this new information, the old inf- yeah. information. This is worth remembering. This is something I can hold on to. This is something I can make sense of. And so if you're never spending time in the diffuse state, your brain isn't doing that. And it makes it so much harder to recognize how things are connected, especially if they're not super familiar to you. Uh, And it'll be really hard to learn concepts that are really distant. So you might have some people who say like, I'm just not a numbers person. It's because their familiar space doesn't really include math, right? And so you jump into this unfamiliar space. It's stressful. They're in the focus state. Their brain can't make the connections. And so it's really hard to branch out. Wow. So people, what you're saying is that people are, are capable of, of everything. It's just they don't know how to use their brain. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and for sure, there's definitely yeah. like, like I said, people are individual. And so yeah, there's going to be some things that you're naturally better at. You're naturally more inclined towards. But the vast majority of the time, it's very possible for you to branch out and learn absolutely new things that seem completely unfamiliar. It's just that if you're locked in the focus state all the time, that becomes much harder. So um, let me provide some practical tips for like, how can you actually access the diffuse state if you want to, because it's, it's valuable. Uh, So like I said, when your inner critic is loud and when you're stressed, your brain is not going to enter the diffuse state very naturally. Uh, and so you'll probably only experience it first thing when you wake up because you have, your brain hasn't had the chance to freak out yet, (laughs) unless you had a nightmare or something like that. Um, and so this is one time where if you want to take advantage of that natural diffuse state that probably happens when you wake up a couple of things, first, try to find an alarm that doesn't startle you to wait, like startle you awake. Cause what that's doing is is stressing you out. (laughs) And so you're like immediately you're switching into the focus state and you just lose that diffuse state altogether in the morning. Another thing, and this is something you mentioned, don't get on your phone first thing in the morning. Most people, they they snooze their alarm, whatever, they roll over, they grab their phone and they click their favorite app and they immediately start like consuming content or or something. That snaps you into the focus state really, really fast. Mm. And so if you want to hold on to that, that creative ability and allow your brain to kind of explore new ideas and learn new things that is a great time to take advantage of it in the morning and if you're jumping on your phone if you're startled awake if you're immediately opening your email things like that are going to push you into the focus state and you're not going to be able to take advantage of that as easily wow Uh, another time when the focus state naturally happens the most often is right before you go to sleep kind of when you're when you're laying in bed and you're just like letting your thoughts jump like bounce around Um, now some people don't have that as much because they go to bed super stressed, which is not great. <laughs> That's another thing to think about and work on. But 
Or um, they're scrolling on their phone before they go. Or yeah, exact right? same thing. You you have the same problem where you're just <laughs> you're falling asleep with 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 Facebook open and your phone's laying on your head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that's not going to help. So um, those are the two times when it's going to happen the most naturally. That you can start to take advantage of tomorrow because they're probably already happening. If you want to be able to access it more, like throughout the day, uh, ways that you can do that is by taking much more effective breaks. So a lot of people, when they take breaks, what they actually are doing, they're not actually taking a real mental break. They might be taking a physical break. They might be doing something other than their work. But when you look at those breaks, what are they doing? Back on the phone. (laughs) You know, it's the same thing. Um, So some good breaks that can encourage going into the diffuse state, go outside, go on a walk. And when you're on that walk, don't just be thinking about work. Just let your mind wander. Uh, try to get into your body more. And what I mean by that is like, try to experience things from a sensory perspective, listen to the birds singing, you know, run your fingers through the leaves of the tree. uh, And that can help you to kind of get outside of your head and let it enter that diffuse state and start to process things. So this is super practical. If you, if you get stuck on, let's say you're working on something and you just feel stuck and you can't figure it out. Most people, what they do is they, they either give up or they take a break to stare at the phone, or they just keep trying to work on that same problem over and over and over again, kind of like hitting their head against the desk. Yeah. (laughs) Those are not good options. All three of those are bad. What you need to be doing, you need to be getting out of the focus state and letting your brain think of new possibilities. And so that is the time. If you get stuck, instead of just pounding away at it for six more hours and hoping that you figure out the solution, just trust me and try to take like a 30 minute break where you think about, try to think about nothing. Go outside, um, play an instrument, just go do something different. Um, and don't look at your phone (laughs) and just let your mind wander and do whatever it wants. And and you'll be amazed. You'll, your brain will come up with solutions that you never thought of before. They just seem to come out of nowhere, but it's because your subconscious is bouncing those ideas around and it's trying all sorts of new things out that you haven't thought of in the background. And so, so that's really useful. Like whenever I get stuck on something, I don't continue to sit there and stare at my screen and try to figure it out. I immediately am like, I'm stuck. I need to switch into the diffuse state. I get up, I go on a walk, I go do something else, play my guitar. I love that. I love that. And so many times I think people, we, we hear this, right? We hear, don't get on your phone first thing in the morning, don't scroll, you know, blue light right before bed, all these different things. But <laughs> yeah, it, but to hear from this kind of perspective makes it make more sense to me, actually. It's a little bit more practical, right? So I love that. I love that. Talk a little bit about the uh the the, the flow state and then yep. we can uh kind of tell folks where they can find you because this is some really interesting stuff, man. Very yeah, I forgot to ask you how long these typically are. <laughs> no, I, it's it's, it's however. No, it's however we uh we, we just vibe. We just vibe it out. All right, just awesome. Allow, allow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the flow state's the last one. So so like I said, uh, focus state characterized by more activity in the front of the brain. The few state kind of characterized by you know more random activity. There's no specific area that's super dominant for long periods of time. The the flow state then what that leaves us with the back of the brain. So this is really interesting. Um, people used to think that the flow state was probably like the front of the brain being really active. Cause that's like, that's where you do like your thinking, right. And you're more um, like attentive and all that executive function that ha- a lot of that is more in the front of the brain. 
it's actually the exact opposite. So uh, the flow state, it's also known as, if you want the fancy term, it's called transient hypofrontality. All that means transient, meaning like short term over a shorter period of time, hypo meaning like less of or suppressed mm. frontality, meaning the front. So it's for a short time, the front of your brain is less active. That's essentially mm. what, it, what it means. So what's going on uh, in the back of your brain. So if you think about what's going on in the front, you can kind of figure out what the flow state will be like. So if, if in the front of the brain, that's where you're like the, the dialogue or the, the inner voice is talking a lot, especially the inner critic is talking a lot. That means if the front of your brain is kind of turned off and you're mostly using the back, that means you're not listening to the voices. The inner critic is completely turned off. It's not talking at all. And it's very, very physical. So this is why um, like extreme athletes, most of the studies on flow states you'll find are done on extreme athletes. There's a reason for that. It's because the flow state is, is I, I call it like hyper embodiment. It's when you're doing something where, where the challenge is very high and the competence level is, is matching that it's mm. something that you're very good at, but it's also very challenging. Right. It's also in situations where there's, there's usually high risk or high perceived risk, but also high perceived competence. So an example of that would be, um, so like if you were, if you were to go walk out on a tightrope over the grand Canyon, if you're somebody who doesn't have very good balance, you're not going to go in the flow state because that's a very high perceived challenge and risk. However, it's not high perceived competence. Your competence will be very low. So you're just going to get super stressed out and you're going to go in focus state. However, somebody who's an expert tightroper, high perceived challenge, high perceived risk and high, per high perceived competency, they're going to enter the flow state and the flow state, like I said, hyper embodiment. Typically it's, it's a lot more common in physical tasks. Uh, but it's going to be things where your body takes over and you don't have to think about anything. It's, mm -hmm. it's instinctive. You're able to take action uh, without fear, or at least with very little fear. And you feel like you are one with whatever you are working with. So yeah. uh, if you hear people talk about experiences like this, like a skateboarder will, will, will say, I felt like the skateboard was part of my body or like a gymnast will say like, I, I felt like I was just like one with the floor. <laughs> like I could not fall off that balance beam if I wanted to, like it was part of me and I was so aware of it. And that's this interesting thing. Your brain actually can extend your perceived consciousness into things around you. And this actually happens all the time. It's, it seems really kind of crazy to think about, but it actually happens all the time. So for example, if you ever use a, uh, a tool, so let's say you have a stick and you're poking at something with a stick your brain extends your consciousness into that stick. And what I mean by that is when you're feeling things with the stick, like you're poking things at it, you feel them as if you were feeling them with your body, like you're poking with your finger. Okay. That's your brain kind of extending consciousness or feeling into the, into the object that you're using. So in the flow state, your brain is doing that like to the maximum degree where boundaries between you and whatever you're using kind of disappear. And this makes a lot of sense because when you're in the, um, when you're in the focus state, the focus states are really good at defining boundaries and limitations, including between you and your environment. Mm -hmm. So when that front of your brain is, is turned off, it's not turned off, but it's like, it's almost dormant. All of a sudden those boundaries and those limitations become extremely fuzzy, including wow. the boundaries between you and your environment. 
And so you almost feel like you're one with the environment. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but it's super practical because if you're doing something that requires a very high level of skill and there's a high level of risk, that's not the time to be wetting your pants <laughs> right? Or, or, or be thinking really hard. Like you need your body to do what it's really good at yeah. uh, without any sort of boundaries or hindrances. And so that's, so that's why. And that's another reason why I said like the flow state, you don't want to spend all your time there. It's not practical in a lot of cases. Like there's a reason your brain only enters it in certain situations. Like if you're typing or you're doing data entry or something that's kind of mundane, it's low challenge, low risk. Like kind of why like, would... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like control, control without thought is what I've heard. Like people explain mm-hmm. the flow state is control. You're able to control it without really thinking about the task. That yeah, and like yeah, I said, it, so it makes sense now, like your confidence level. So the more reps you actually do over time, you really don't need to really think about it. You're not in that focus state. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it becomes automatic and, yeah. but it's also like the high perceived challenge and risk is important too. And that's something that people mm. miss. They're like, well, if I'm really competent, then I'll get in the flow state a lot. Not necessarily like you're extremely, most people are extremely competent at driving a car. Right. right. And yet very few people get in the flow state driving their car <laughs> because even though there is high risk, there's not a high perceived risk. You don't feel like it's risky and it doesn't feel very challenging. So your high competence, but low challenge, low perceived risk. And in that situation, you're either going to be in a focused or diffuse state, not the flow state. So makes when people are chasing the flow state all the time, it's like, okay, there's a purpose for that. There's a time when your brain's going to naturally do that. And also it's out of the three states, it's the most biologically expensive. Uh, the neurotransmitters that are used uh, in that case, like typically there's going to be um, like adrenaline is going to be involved as well. And those things can really tire your body out. They can re- really wear out your, your physical and your mental resources. And so it's like, if you're driving the car, if you're driving your car down a straight highway, you don't want to get out of the car at the end and feel like you just ran 10 marathons. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> if your brain was doing that all the time, you'd always feel just spent and it would be horrible. Um, so you really only want to enter that state when it's, it's go time. You know, it, this is when we really need to get a crazy amount of stuff done and it's high challenge, high risk and high competency. That's when it makes sense from like a biological sp- perspective. And that's another reason why I tell people like, you don't want to be in the flow state all the time. You want to know which state is best for the situation and you want to know how to trigger it. Mm. I love that. I love, first of all, I, I just love the fact that you shared a lot of practical information, right? Not just a bunch of kind of platitudes and different things like that. <laughs> yeah. You share some really nice practical things that people can actually do, think about and know when they want to be in each different state. And so I love that. I love that kind of, that's, that's really impressive for real. So uh, wh- where, where can people find you at? Where can they learn a little bit more about what you do um, and, and kind of follow you on your superhuman journey and, and you helping other people become superhuman? Yeah, sure. Uh, so like I said, I'm going to send you a link. So if people want to hear more about these states and how to access them and win and all that kind of thing, uh, I've got a video series that just digs into that. Uh, so your, your audience can, can go through that for free. Totally. Uh, in terms of where to find me elsewhere, I'd say the best place, um, I'll give two places curiosity, curiosityjump.com is my personal 
uh, website. So you can find okay. me there. You can find, um, you can actually schedule a call with me if you want to from that, that site. Uh, I do teach a, I teach a live cohort based course on maven.com and that goes super deep into, um, accelerated learning into memory. We talk about the three states, how to access them and so much more. There's a ton on attention management, uh, productivity. It's a very comprehensive course and it's live. So I'll be there. I've got a couple other amazing coaches that are world-class that also teach that with me and you'll get to go through it with uh, a group of peers as well. So there's actually alumni community that just continues on and they've they've been meeting every week without me even showing up. So that's <laughs> so amazing. super awesome community. And if I can say so, I think it's a great course that, that everyone should look into. Uh, Cause really there's, there's, I would argue there's very little that's more important and more valuable than understanding how your brain works and how to take advantage of it. Uh, so, so if you're interested, uh, maven.com, I'll, I'll send the link to you as well. So you can post in the show notes, but uh, maven.com slash curiosity jump slash super learner. That will take you directly to my course, or you can just go to their main page, click courses, and you can scroll down to see my face or (laughs) the course titled discover your inner super learner. Um, That's the one. Perfect. Yes. Please Mm -hmm. send me those links. Um, I want to be able to put those in the footnotes. Um, And, and I think a lot of people would be uh, very intrigued by this episode and, and, and click on those links and, um, I think we'll be able to help a lot of folks, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about their brain and how they can operate better in this uh, information age that we're in. So, Colin, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, this is this is very this is very this is a very good episode. I, I love it. I love it. Well, thanks, Josh. It was a pleasure. Our brand design and strategies by Tessa at FiveFootStudios.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at Five Foot Studios. Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Go ahead, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and click the five stars to give us a rating. And most importantly, keep playing injured.